Well, I love our worship team. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, what a way to get our week started. Thank you. It's important, I think, that we understand a few things about the concept of a legacy. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, legacies are important just to kind of have the right idea about that before we can determine the type of legacy that we want to leave in other people's lives. And first of all, I want you to understand that everybody leaves a legacy. Whether you mean to or not, whether it's unintentional, uh, we leave a legacy. And the next thing I want us to nail down before we kind of go any further into this message is, is that a legacy is more than just uh, an inheritance, you know, or a gift uh, that you left behind or a birthright. It's, it's like it's more than that. It's, it's a custom, a tradition. It's, it's your heart, uh, a, a habit, a reputation that goes behind you. You know, the, the dreams that we pursue, and we've talked about that a little bit already in, in this series, although we're just kind of getting started, uh, is what goes in front of us and the vision that God gives us. Last week, we, you know, the message was about vision. This week, it's what is it that comes behind us? What about in our wake? What, what is there? It is our legacy. It's our legacy. And so my question to you today, and this is the question that I pray when I'm alone, when I'm in my study either here at home or I'm out walking my dog or yesterday went skiing, slaloming again, carving it up like I do. Uh, you know, I just, I like to pray as I'm slaloming. And, 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 I'm, and I'm thinking about this question, and I hope this is what you remember for the next several days. Are things, just things, uh, money, houses, and land, all, all of that that we typically uh, think about, is that the most important legacy? Really, is that important at all, what you're leaving to your loved ones? Most of the time, and as a pastor and as, uh, as just a family guy, as a, as a guy who's walked through this, all of our parents have passed away and our grandparents have all passed away, so we've been through that thing several times of, okay, here's any inheritance, or here's, in, in one case, here's the indebtedness that you incur, and uh, it just, you know, it, it can be all over the board, and I know you've experienced that. We've been blessed uh, in one situation, another situation, we thought, okay, we're not going to be able to afford to do this. You know, we, we, you know, it's kind of, it falls to us. So there's all different things that we leave behind us, but it's not just about when you die. It's not just about that kind of legacy, and that's what I hope we kind of move from today, that it's not about the things, but it's not even about the event, you know? It's not just about losing a loved one and the heirlooms and the stocks or the jewelry, the house, the car, the, you know, whatever it is, the list is endless. Uh, our legacy is not even just for our children. The dictionary defines legacy like this. Anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or a predecessor. We leave these impressions, uh, this reputation in our wake. Some of you guys are going to graduate high school this year or next year, and you'll move over to the campus, you know, and you'll be, you'll be out of the house. You're going to leave a legacy in your home. Some of your little brothers or sisters are already looking in your room, right? They're already sizing it up going, I may make a little move myself, you know? And they're, they're, you know, all my guys did that. I think I might want your room. And then they get real defensive and territorial about just because I'm moving out doesn't mean you get this. 
But what are they going to say when, you, when you're gone? Some of you guys, you know, we've got like half of our, you know, force here in, in our student ministry. And you get to go home and visit your parents. Some people are, you know, we've got folks all over the world this summer. I love that. Um, but what is your legacy? Are they so glad you're gone? <laughs> you know? Is your little brother and sister like, whew, oh man, they, they may talk a good game. They may go to church and they do all of that, but let me tell you what they're like up close and personal. In real life, this is their legacy. What would your husband say is your legacy? What about your kids? Your next-door neighbors, you know, I always wonder what they think about me. You know, they see me driving off every Sunday, and they're waving, and there he goes again. You know, is that my legacy? Is that it? Our legacy is what we receive and we pass along. For instance, Paul realized that he received a legacy, and he talks about that in the Scripture that we're going to read in just a moment. And he saw that his protege, you know, he was mentoring this young pastor named Timothy, and Timothy had a legacy that Paul mentions uh, in this scripture. And then Paul recognizes not only did he receive a legacy, and he's trying to, you know, do that, and Timothy received a legacy from, from his family, but that Paul now is pouring himself into Timothy's life and that he's creating a legacy. And I think because this is toward the end of Paul's life and he, he knew what was coming, he'd been given a death sentence, uh, he knew what I do and say is important because I'm really leaving a legacy. All, all this that I have is, uh, you know, I don't think he knew that all these years later that everything he wrote, you know, all these letters would become scripture for us and that that would be, you know, his, his legacy. Uh, but I want us to look in... 2 Timothy, in the first chapter, we began a brand new series last week called Insanity, and it revolves around this whole idea, this question of how do we maintain sanity in a world that is so crazy, such a fallen place, it's such a broken place. Some of the answers to that question, I think, are found in Paul's second letter uh, to Timothy. This young pastor, he had sent into Ephesus, and it was, a, it was a, a chaotic, insane church environment, okay? He said, these people are really in trouble. We need somebody to go there and to minister healing, to help these people, and to kind of pull them back together. And he said, Timothy, I want you to go. And Timothy's like, ah, I've never done that. I don't know how to pastor a church like that, and I don't have the experience, and I'm younger than all the church leaders there. And they kind of... They don't respect me because of that. They kind of look down on me because I'm not their generation. And he said, I'm just, Paul said, I think you're the guy. I think you're the guy to go. And I want you to do this. And so Timothy, a little timid, you know, a little unsure of himself, like, well, I wish I'd have done this. And I kind of prepared a little more. He makes the journey. He goes and he does it. And, and uh, he does a beautiful job. And this is the last letter that we have from Paul before he's executed. So I think in some ways, 2 Timothy is Paul's legacy. Let me read to you this, this scripture uh, uh, again today. This is just from the very first part of that letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, for the promise of life in Christ Jesus to Timothy, dearly loved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, see there's the legacy, and I'm convinced is in you as well. Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power and love and sound judgment. Not ashamed of the gospel. So don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of this testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Instead, share in the suffering of the gospel, relying on the power of God. Listen to this. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. This has been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and has brought life and mortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel I was appointed a herald, apostle, teacher, and that's why I suffer these things. But I'm not ashamed because I know the one I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he is able to guard that which has been entrusted to me until that day. Here's where he says, extend the legacy. I want you to extend the legacy to the next generation. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me, my legacy, and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in us that good thing entrusted to you. Guard that thing that's been entrusted to you. Uh, what is the thing that's been entrusted to us? He's, obviously, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the good news of Jesus and the, the love of God that's found uh, in Christ. So what is our legacy? What is the best thing you can say about a Christian? You know, what is it that makes us so uh, distinctive? Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, Most men will claim or proclaim everyone about his own goodness. But the, but the writer stops and says, But a faithful man, who can find? Who can find a faithful man? Another verse in Proverbs says, Many will say they're loyal friends. But who can find one who's really faithful? I, I believe, as, as kind of thinking through this, what is it I want to be remembered? What is our greatest attribute? What is the thing about us that sets us apart? Because we go to church, because we go to religious services, because we do, do all these other things? No. Some of you have had it up to here, and that didn't convince you, right? I was around religious people all of my life, and I still didn't get it. And I love the testimonies. I love baptism. I'm such a sucker for good. I, uh, I just love to hear those stories. And, you know, we know what it's like to be around religious people, but is that your legacy? Yeah, Mama went to church a lot. Yeah, Daddy was a deacon. Or is there something behind that? Is there another layer, a foundation underneath that? I think if there is, it can be wrapped up in this one word, faithfulness. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards, in managers, in people in places of responsibility and leadership, they must, and it's written in the emphatic tense, they must be found faithful. 
It's out of everything I could ask you to be. Uh, I need you to be on time. I need you to, you know, I need you to do this and have that. And that. Out of all the things the writer could think of to say, he goes, let me just sum it up. Faithful. If you're faithful, and if you were to come to me and say, oh, you're hiring a new employee? Well, here's the, you know, you know what I'm going to look for? What are you going to look for? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. We go to church a lot. Uh, some of us are real active, you know, we're real involved, you know, we're busy about, about church work, and that's good, that's good, I don't, I, I, we absolutely, you know, that's, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Um, I think my neighbors would say, I think he lives a clean life. It's never very rowdy or loud over there, you know, the Rileys seem to be pretty good people, he's watering those bushes every couple of days, he's, oh, God bless him, he, you know, he's just trying to be a nice guy. Uh, Christians, typically, we give a little more than other people. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, we do. We, just, we, we don't give what God has asked us to give. We're not completely faithful in that, but we give more than others, and that's who we'd rather compare ourselves to, right? <laughs> Instead of what Scripture says, that, well, we're not there, but we're not as bad as the guy who lives next door. So we give. We're kind of known for that. You know, we can kind of check all those things off. But the best thing you can say about a Christian is that he's faithful, is that she's faithful. Because if you're faithful, you'll do all those other things. That's just going to fall into place. As this relationship between you and the Holy Spirit becomes more intimate and as it progresses, you're going to just wake up one day and think, I'm doing all these things. I'm doing those things. But you know what? You could flip that around. And I have seen people, you have seen people, who have done all those things, but you didn't sense there was a faithfulness. You didn't sense there was a sincerity in her, that there was something genuine, genuine behind the scenes. So you can do all that and not be faithful. But when you're faithful, everything else falls into place. If we're, if we're faithful. And you know the role model for this? Let me just motivate you a little bit. Let me just kind of inspire you. You know who the, who's faithful? God is faithful. God said, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I'm not. I'm never going to ask you to be somebody that you can't be. Isn't that frustrating when you feel like, oh, they want me to do this, and I can't do that, or I don't have the resources for this? That's not God. God is so faithful. God is faithful to save us. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful to save us. God is faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 say this, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who called you. He will also do it. God is faithful. He's faithful to forgive us for our sins. Sometimes you look back in your history, and, you, and the enemy brings up some of the things, and you feel accused, you feel, you know, like, oh, I'm just, I feel this condemnation. You know what? You can be assured that God is faithful. He's forgiven your sins. 1 John 1, 9, well, that's one of the most familiar, like Baxter said, this is my favorite verse in the Bible. And I thought, at his age, I don't think I even knew where a Bible was. I didn't know, you know, I'd heard the story of David and Goliath and about the ark, and there's a few things I got, but... Boy, to have a favorite verse. I just, I love that. This may be all of one of our favorite verses, right? 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He's faithful. 
to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love the Lord. I love that He's so faithful. He's faithful to me during times of temptation. You know those moments where you feel like you're unique? Yeah, well, I did this, but you've got to hear my situation and my story and why for me it was different than it would have been if you had done that. Or No, you know what? It's God's faithful. And I don't know what your weakness is, your tendency, your family history, your background, all, all of that. And, and, sometimes we're, and I know that some of that's legit, okay? I'm not going to uh, demean that in your life. And you can say, Dan, it's so not fair. I had this tendency toward addiction or this. Okay, I get that. But you know what? You cannot use that just to, to be in the place of victim for the rest of your life and for the enemy to keep you defeated and for you to begin uh, to have as this go-to position this excuse of, well, that's just I'm that way. My daddy always got mad real fast, and I do too, and, you know, it's just the way we're wired. And I, No, 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 no. Listen to this. God is so faithful. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation. You can just circle that word no. There's no temptation taken you but such as is common to everybody else. <laughs> Every other man's felt like you do. And you think, no, I'm, nobody knows what I'm doing. Nobody knows. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted beyond that which you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape so that you can bear it. God's always got an exit ramp for you, okay? He's always got a place uh, that he'll, he'll give you an out. Hebrews chapter 11 lists all these others who between God's display of faithfulness and where we are today have shown you can be faithful. You can be faithful. There was Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel and the disciples and your grandmama and your daddy and your uncle and that guy you read about and your pastor when you were a little girl. All these people you look back and go, wow, I have a legacy of people who are faithful. Maybe they were kind of quirky. Maybe they had their faults. Maybe their flaws were not perfect. We're not sinless. But there's a faithfulness that runs through the lives of many of the people you've known. There's one of those people I just I love and I'm fascinated by this woman and her story is this beautiful legacy and just gives me hope of faithfulness. And it's in Mark 14. And I'm just going to read because it's, she, her name is not mentioned in this account. Uh, but I think it's the same woman that John was talking about in his gospel, and he identified her as Mary of Bethany. <laughs> Mary of Bethany. I don't, know, I don't know if I'd want to be like Dan of Knoxville, Dan of Woodland Springs. You know, it's just kind of, that's what she's known. But she's Martha's, she's got a sister named Martha. She's got a brother named Simon. Uh, you know, Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. She's, that, that's her, uh, her, her people. Here's what the scripture says. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came in with an alabaster uh, flask of ointment of pure nard. Nard was imported from India, very expensive, very rare, hard to get. It was kind of, I don't know what a modern-day equivalent would be, but, it, you know, of, of some kind of a really fancy perfume that would cost this much. I don't know if we even have an equivalent to it. Uh, but, but she had this, where she got it, we have no idea. Uh, but she, she's got this, and she comes in with it. 
And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And John's gospel said she had enough, she poured it over his feet. I mean, she's just like, here, you want a little bit? And, and I think at this point, Jesus probably was really appreciative of that. But you know those people who use too much? You ever been in line at the theater? Or the, you think, oh, dude, you need to dial that back a little bit. Too much nard. You got a lot of nard going there, man. I don't know, you know. Uh, you got to stay away from Walgreens. You got to get, you got to upgrade, you know. Okay, so he's got this. He just pushes, he just inundates him in this. Now, everybody's watching this happen because it's so bizarre. I mean, what if, what if you're at a party, right? You're at a meeting, and this girl comes in, she walks over to you, and she pulls out a bottle of, I, I don't know, you know I, I don't, I, I, Gucci, I don't, I don't know, something, and she just, and you're like, woo and she just says, here, let me pour some of this on your head. <laughs> you know, she's pouring it on his head, and his fingers like, ah, ooh, you smell good. And so she does this, and everybody's looking, and it says, there were some who said to themselves, in other words, they talked amongst themselves, you know, they began to mumble and indignantly. I love that, you know, he puts that in, they were just so indignant about it. They were so self-righteous about this. Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. That's about a year's salary for a lot of the guys in this room. I mean, that, there, there are people watching this who think, I worked every day, all the, every week, every month for a year, and she's just pouring it out on this guy? Really? Is that being a good steward? And it says they scolded her. It's so humiliating. They just so talked down. But Jesus said, and one of the things I loved about Jesus and I, and I love about the New Testament is this, how they're so gracious to women. There has never been a religion or a movement in the world that has raised the status and the honor and the respect of women like Christianity, like the Bible does. And, it, and Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? And this is, my, one of my, this is my, probably my favorite line in this passage. She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. This wasn't your only chance. That bottle of perfume wasn't, well, now we can't minister to the poor. Yeah, I think you probably can carry on. You can do good for them, but you'll not always have me. He gave a hint about what's going to happen. She has done what she could. We'll come back to that idea. She's anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, here's, here's, the, here's like the punchline, okay? This is the main point. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Thousands of years later, in a different country, in a different language, with other people, we're still talking about this lady. And what we remember about her is not all the other things in her life. We don't know much else about her. This became her legacy, this single act. She was a woman in the first century, a sister. She was not even allowed to read the Torah. How did she get in the room? You know, she should have been in the kitchen with her sister, who's kind of mad about the whole thing because she's not helping me. And she goes, tattletale, you know, make her help. 
I'm in here washing these dishes, and you know, she's just sitting around with the men. It's so inappropriate. What are, but she did what she could. And I love this about Mary. It's like, what can I do? This I can do. Same thing about Timothy. Paul never asked Timothy to do something that was outside of reason, outside of possibility. It stretched him a little. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he was not comfortable. Uh, don't make me get up in front of those guys. Don't make me lead this meeting. Don't make, yeah, Tim, you can do this, Timothy. I know it's in you. I, I, I've trained you myself. I, go get him, tiger. You know, and Timothy just walks in, and all these old guys are looking at him like, who are you, young whippersnapper, and what are you going to do with us? I don't know. I'm just here by the grace of God. He was limited by his personality, by his experience, by his giftedness. He's a little timid. And some of us, what we do is we say, God, I'm just so limited. Yeah, I would do everything Dan's talking about, but I don't have, you know, I can't, I've never. And when it comes to our limitations, most people operate from that position. This if-then kind of, kind of a way of thinking. If I had this, then I would do this. But I don't have it. Sorry. If I could do this, then I would do that. But since I don't, if I had more money, I'd buy a nicer house, I'd give more to the church, I would be more faithful. You know, if I could sing, Kevin would ask me to be in the band, and I would get a chance, and that's all I'm asking. But he's heard me sing. So, you know, if, if my children were in a different stage of life, I could buy a condo downtown and be cool, and, you know, I could, I could have a house out on the lake and just do more skiing than I do, and more slaloming, and, and maybe teach lessons even. I don't know. You know, but if, but I don't, so I, so I won't. You know, we, we have that kind of thinking in, in all areas of, the life, of life. You know, and maybe people have told you, you need to think outside the box. You need to get outside and... What would you do if you had unlimited money? What would you do if you could sing? What would you do if you had children who are at different stages of life and now you can do this or, or do that? What if we had state-of-the-art facilities? Boy, wouldn't our worship services be great? What if we had a pastor who could communicate better? What if we had, you know, uh, you know but we don't. It, I mean, it sounds nice, but that's so frustrating. That's so insane. Because you don't have unlimited money. You can't sing. Your children aren't at a different stage of life. This is the same building we've been meeting in for years. So we can think about that, and that's nice, but pretty much you're stuck with your limitations. And, and, and while it may be liberating to, you know, wow, if I just had all the money and we had this, and, thing, and I'm not saying don't plan or don't dream and don't have vision. Absolutely. I pray for that all the time. But your box is never going to expand to the place where you're thinking outside of it until you have learned how to live in it. And I'm going to challenge you to do something a little different, away from that cliche, and think inside the box. Stop waiting for what you want and what you wish and understand what you have what the Lord's get? How much money do you have? Okay, let's start with that. I can't get. Well, how much do you have? 
What talents has God given you? What, what are some of the, the areas of giftedness? You know, how, how can we maximize, you know, what Calvary's ministry is in this community and around the world with the assets and the resources that we currently have in place? Well, Dan, you know, we probably can't do this, but we could do this. Your greatest limitation may be God's best opportunity. And instead of saying, if I had, I would, think about this. If he had wanted you to have, then he would have provided it for you. You know, you think, if I only had his job instead of my job, I, I don't want this husband, I want that husband. I want somebody else's. Well, I don't want this car. I want your car. You know, and we just constantly are comparing and thinking about that. And then all kinds of insanity results from those kind of motivations. If God had wanted you to do, then he would have made you able to do that. I'd love to be a professional baseball player. That's not fair that I don't get to do that. I can't do that. You get it? So we do what we can most of us are so focused on what we don't have and what we wished was ours, and we figure out inappropriate ways to get it anyway, to do it anyway, that we're blinded to what we do have, the ways God does want to bless us. And if you had what you think you needed, you wouldn't be able to use what God has actually already put inside you. And what he's put inside of you, and if you don't remember anything else other than the question we asked right up front, it, what God has put inside you is all you need to accomplish everything that God's calling you to do. You, it's already there. It's all, you've got everything you need to do what he wants you to do, to do what he needs you to do. All you've got to do, doesn't it sound so simple? All you've got to do, just be faithful. God, I can't write like that, or I can't do that. He said, I'm not asking you to be that guy. I'm not asking you to be her. I'm just asking you to be faithful. This is how I created you. Would you be faithful with who you are? And let's see what happens next. Let me, let me just look at, let me remind you of those last two verses again. Here, here's what Paul said to Timothy. Hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who lives in us that good thing entrusted to you. This you know. Guard that. Your legacy, your legacy will be built on what you do next. Some of you are about to do something. Can I just, just kind of peek in just for a moment? Just be really, you know, prying and meddlesome. Some of you are about to do something that's going to spin out of control and it's going to become your legacy. And everything you've done up until now, all the good things, not going to count because what your kids are going to remember you for and what your coworkers are going to remember for, oh, you cheated on that business deal. They don't care how many sales you brought in. They don't care how successful you were. Some of you are going to be unfaithful in areas of your relationships. And that's going to become your legacy. Folks, it's, a day, it's just an insane world. And the craziest thing 
before all those behaviors explode in your face and that becomes your legacy. That becomes what your kids remember you for. That becomes what the people around you, you know, know you about. Mostly, God just wants you to be faithful. Just be faithful to him and to others during this week. That's all. That's your mission. That's it. And then he will do this beautiful thing. He will unfold all beyond that that he wants to do in and through you. But you've got to do your part first. That's all he needs is just faithfulness. I love that Timothy overcame his own personality. He was so intimidated. He was so uncomfortable. You know, and all of his confidence issues and all of those things, I'm just not. And he becomes a man of legacy. It was in his grandmother. It was in his mother. Uh, now it's in Timothy, and it goes on to the next generation. And Paul says, my legacy, I'm going to pour into your life. The sister of Simon, she realizes that I, I, this, these are my limitations, but I'm going to leave behind a legacy where Jesus himself says, you girl have done a beautiful thing to me wouldn't you love to hear jesus say that this act of worship so let's finish this up with a question what will your legacy be are you a faithful person trying to be an unfaithful christian going to drive you insane. I mean, I just want you to, to go away with that thought. It's, you know, we're talking about insanity. We're talking about how to reach a place of contentment and security and peace. And no, Here's the thing. You know, God calls me into this lifestyle. He calls me into Christ. And I step into that and I say, God, I want to be a Christian. I honestly want to be a Christian. I want to, I'm your boy. I'm your guy. I'm your girl. You know, I want to be a Christian. But I don't want to, you know, in, in this pocket, in this area, in this area, I don't want to be faithful. So I'm going to be a Christian, but I'm going to be an unfaithful Christian. That's insanity. You, we, we, it doesn't work that way. You know, we're not wired like that. If you don't want chaos, if you don't want regret, if, if you want to step into this place of beauty and peace and contentment, be faithful. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. Leave a beautiful legacy for your coworkers and your children, your roommates. You know, you're going to move, you're going to live with these, but you're going to be at the university for just a little while. What's your reputation? You know, when I went back to my high school two years after I graduated, it was to apologize. My legacy in my high school was not very good. I had set a couple of school records, one in track, and the other in missing more unexcused absences than anybody in the history of the school. 42 unexcused absences. And as a punishment, they suspended me for three days. No! <laughs> Who in the world thought of that? Okay, you missed 42 days? You can't come for three more days. Okay, yeah. Seriously? When I go back, I'm trying to repair my legacy. But my reputation there will always be what it is. My sister came along a couple of years later, and one of the teachers, I promise this is true, pulled her aside and said, you're Dan Riley's sister? Let's get something straight right up front. She goes, what? You don't like me already because of him? 
My little brother came along seven years later, and he said, you related to Dan Riley? He said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> a coward. You know, God has put people in your world. He's put you in specific environments, in your neighborhood, in your family. You got a legacy. You got a legacy with the people around you. Let's step into that with faithfulness. And wherever you are, wherever you are on your path, today can be the day. Say, God, I want to be a Christian. That's not the issue. But within that context, I've not wanted to be faithful. I wanted the name and the title and the privileges. I don't want to go to hell, and I'd, I'd like you to bless me. And when I'm having to pray my way out of certain behaviors I've gotten myself into, I want you to answer those prayers. I want all of that that's a part of Christianity. Lord, I don't want to be faithful. Today can be the day you say, you know what? This is ridiculous. This is insane. I'm going to stop the madness. I'm going to become faithful. It's called repentance. You step into faithfulness. Watch what happens next. You don't have to be particularly talented or smart or rich or any of those things. Just faithful. Let's stand and let's pray about this together. And um, you may just, in, in, in a moment, you didn't think about it before you came today while you're getting dressed and driving over here or you're having Starbucks. You didn't think about, well, today may be the day that I turn around. But you know, if the Holy Spirit's convicting you about this and it may be just one area of your life or it may be the whole thing, you are going to leave a legacy. When you step into heaven, it'll be there. What will it be? Will you be faithful? Let's repent. Let's confess. And let's, let's just seek the Lord right now about this and watch what beautiful thing he does next. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you give us the grace and the power in our, our personal lives as, as well as a church, all of us together. Father, we want to be faithful people to you. We want to see your blessings, and we want to leave behind a legacy. When Calvary Baptist is here in 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, another 100 years from now, I pray they would look back on our generation and say, wow, thank you that that generation is faithful. That's our legacy. We ask you for it, and we ask for a blessing in Jesus' name.